We all know the famous greeting, 911, what's your emergency? But what follows those words is what can send shivers down your spine. Whether it's a stone cold killer announcing what they've done or a victim making a plea for help, 911 calls put us at the scene of the crime and in the minds of those involved. In this episode, you'll hear what the killers, the victims, and the witnesses said during one of the darkest or harrowing moments in their lives. And we won't be mincing words because it's the words that truly make these calls so spine chilling. you weirdos welcome to crime countdown a spotify original from parcast i'm ash and i'm elena every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes all picked by the parcast research gods this episode we're counting down the top 10 spine chilling 911 calls okay so i have called 911 before unfortunately Mm -hmm. and it is terrifying it is it's terrifying even if it's not you who's like technically in trouble even like if you call for someone else yeah you just feel the weight of what a situation has to be for you to call that number immediately like it gets your heart racing it's like really intense it really is and i mean i've had to call before too and you summed it up perfectly it's almost like an outer body experience yeah it really is i don't know how 911 operators actually do it day in and day out because i feel like all that trauma must get to you after a while oh yeah for real, I was, and you know, I was just thinking that as you were talking about it, because nine one one operators, I feel, are like super underappreciated. Yeah, like we don't talk about them enough. We really don't. Their ability to think on their toes is, I mean, like out of this world, mm-hmm. and it's in the most dire and worst situations we could ever ever think of, like. The worst, where your brain is definitely not functioning at full level. But for some reason, theirs is. Yeah, like they must be so fascinating in everyday life. And I hate to say it, but I bet they make great dinner conversation. Oh, 100%. Personally, I think what makes 911 calls so chilling is that you can almost like feel the fear in the caller's mm-hmm. voice and you can't even begin to imagine what they're facing. Oh, like, yeah. What they're in right now. Yeah, like you're here. It's, it's something strange about hearing humans like... At the point where they're having to, like, beg for help. Mm -hmm. Like, you're having to call a number and literally scream and beg for help. It's just so dark. And it almost feels like something you, like, shouldn't be listening to. I always feel that way. I don't really like to listen to them. Well, and I feel like a 911 operator might feel that way, too, sometimes. Like, I feel like I almost shouldn't be hearing this person in this situation, you know? It's almost like you're, like, reading someone's diary in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. But here we are, and Elena has five spine-chilling calls, and so do I. But neither of us knows how scary this is really about to be. Let's start the countdown. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, Florida man Checkington Sinclair. He killed his wife before calmly calling 911 and lying. Sinclair called to report the crime himself, saying a murder has been committed. When asked by who, he says without emotion, by me, ma'am. Who did you murder? I murdered my wife. So scary. The poor 911 operator. And just imagine hearing somebody who just killed a human being like, yeah, yeah like send help, just killed someone. It's like, okay. And just like being so chill about it. Yeah, and this, and this 911 operator probably had to keep him on the phone, mm-hmm. you know? So Checkingson admits to the operator that he killed his pregnant wife earlier that morning and that she's still in the bedroom. Oof. He's still calm, cool, and collected saying, quote, I killed her with a gun. Quote, I shot her in the head. Like, not even a tremble in his voice. That's really evil. It's so, it's evil to the core. They reportedly got into an argument and she attacked him with a knife, so he shot her. The dispatcher asks, do you fight often? And he answers, yes, we do fight often. But then his fake story kind of just falls apart, as they usually do. Uh Uh-oh. An investigation revealed he was a super jealous man and often argued with her about previous lovers. So someone specifically was there starting the fights, and it was him. Hmm. He even staged the murder scene, covering up an execution-style shooting, not a self-defense case like he originally claimed. Like, take yourself and your anger to jail. Your pregnant wife. Execution what? style. Like, That's horrific. what? Nine. Number nine on our countdown is the murder of Thomas Blessing. July 2018, Thomas was killed in Fountain Hills, Arizona, by his 92 year old mother. Anna May. What? 911 operators received a frantic call from Thomas's girlfriend, Julie, stating, She just shot her son. She's got another gun and she's going to shoot me. Oh my God. Yes. 92 years old. Julie continues to breathe heavy, pleading for help to, quote, hurry. Oh my goodness. She's apparently cornered in the bedroom where Anna May shot her son. And Anna May is blocking her way out. This is terrifying. You can literally hear her fear in this in this call. I can imagine. She screams on the call, please hurry. She's in the doorway right now staring at me. And she's got a gun and she's ready to shoot me. What? Like nightmare You would situation. think too that when you get there, like she's not going to be alive. You would think Anna May was living with Julie and Thomas. She and her son weren't getting along and he wanted to move her to a senior citizen's living situation. 
She apparently hid two pistols in her robe before the final confrontation. Oh, wow. Towards the end of the call, Julie can be heard shouting, she's coming for me. No, don't you dare, Anna, don't you dare. And then screams. I literally have like goosebumps on my arms. Julie turned out to be okay. Oh, good. Anna May was calmly sitting in a recliner in her bedroom when police finally arrived. She died in jail hospice before she could be tried. There is so much more that I need to know about Anna May. So much more. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of the top 10 spine-chilling 911 calls is the Provo, Utah woman who fake called her sister to get help. Back in February 2010, Jake McCann faced kidnapping and sexual assault charges. He was caught when, while driving with his victim in the passenger seat, she pretended to call her sister, but really called 911. It's a very intense 20-minute call that begins with the dispatcher asking, quote, are you in a vehicle? The caller says, yes. Dispatcher, are you able to talk? Caller, no. Dispatcher, okay, are you in danger? Caller, yes. Dispatcher, did someone kidnap you? Caller, I don't know. The I don't know at the end is so scary. The thing is, the two of them did know each other. At one point, they went to a gas station for cigarettes and drank some alcohol. The victim said she had taken cold medicine, so after they drank, she fell asleep. When she came to, she was being assaulted in the car. An absolute nightmare. And then he just started driving. So was he then kidnapping her or just going back to where they were? Either way, she had every right to be like, WTF, what's like, going what on here? what is happening here? She made the right decision. Of course. Saying she needed to call her sister, she dialed 911, and so began an intense call of mainly yes or no questions, which you gotta hand it to the dispatcher. Yeah. To just, like, keep coming up with questions to try to figure out what's going on. And to come up with questions that can be answered in a way that she doesn't have to give a lot. Right. You know, yeah. that's hard to do. The dispatcher was getting info like location markers, injuries, any weapons in the car, etc. That, plus tracking her phone's GPS... They found the moving vehicle and rescued her. Wow. Jake McCann ended up walking free, mainly due to lack of cooperation on the victim's part. There's no statute of limitations on rape cases in Utah, so if the accuser decides to talk to the prosecutors, they can reopen the case. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. Seven. At number seven this week is the cannibal frat boy case, Austin Harif. August 2016, 19-year-old Harif murdered two people in the garage of their Florida home. The 911 call came in from a Good Samaritan neighbor who tried to intervene and was also stabbed in the process. Oh, man. Yeah. So this heroic neighbor, Jeff Fisher, sounds in shock on the call, saying... I ran over there. I'm bleeding profusely at the moment. I don't know what happened. Thank goodness, Jeff. I'd be like, we got to figure this out, man. I don't know. Right? What happened was Jeff's neighbors were in their garage when Harif attacked them. Jeff heard screaming and ran to help. Like, the best neighbor you could ever have. Who are you, Jeff? So he calls 911 out of breath, begging them, please get medical. Young man beating up a woman across the street. 
Oh my god. When police arrived, Harif was biting one of the murder victim's faces. Stop it. It took several cops, a stun gun, and a canine to subdue him. Are you kidding me? Harif had a history of psychedelic drug abuse, declared legally insane at the time of the attack due to a psychotic break. Oh, okay. Which, you're like, something has to be going on here. He's biting someone's face. really went out in the open. There was talk of him being on bath salts or flaca, but toxicology reports said there wasn't any in his system. You know, that's immediately what I was going to ask because I feel like around that time too, like bath salts were like, quote unquote, all the rage. You saw them in the news a lot. Yeah. And you saw that one famous one about like eating someone else's face. Right. That's the first thing I thought of. But toxicology said there was nothing in his system. Wow. Eating someone's face when you're not on bath salts. That's not, not, not Bad flex. That is not it. Landing at number six is Oklahoma teen mom, Sarah McKinley. Sarah was a new mother, but also a recent widow who stood her ground to protect her and her baby by shooting and killing an intruder while on the phone with 911. Wow, mom. Yeah. She, and she had like so much going on at this point, I can't imagine. Mom strength. Sarah was at home with her three-month-old baby on New Year's Eve, less than a week after the baby's father died of cancer. Oh my God. So all the things happening. Yeah. A man named Justin Martin visited her on the day of her husband's funeral and later brought an accomplice to break into her home because he was straight up trash. Wow. He's nice. like, well, your husband died. My condolences. Let cool. me steal all your things. Ugh. Piece of poop. She calls 911 and speaks in such a calm yet forceful way, asking the dispatcher, I've got two guns in my hand. Is it okay to shoot him if he comes in this door? It's like, she's Annie Oakley over here. That's amazing. I love how she's just like, I'm really just calling to ask permission to shoot him if can he comes I in my house. Can kill exactly. this guy? Right? The dispatcher replies, I can't tell you that you can do that, but you do what you have to do to protect your baby. Yeah. She's like, I can't say, but like, go ahead and do that. I'm not going to say on this recorded line, yes. <laughs> But hell yes. But like, (laughs) yes. Yeah, you protect your baby. Right? So Justin Martin kicked in her door and had a knife. Sarah shot and killed him. And the police said the shooting was justified. Yeah, someone comes in my house with a knife at my baby. Yeah, you stand your ground. Yeah. You know? Martin's accomplice was actually charged with this murder. Sarah received an outpouring of support from the public, luckily. It was a baby involved. Whenever It's a baby. Yeah. You protect a baby. A baby and a young woman who is widowed now. Yeah. Like a less than a week. That's horrible. Wow, that last one was truly something. Uh, These give me like the chilly willies. Yeah, I have to say that. Every time I hear them. I think my, I don't want to like say favorite, but the fa- the one I found the most interesting so far is the girl that pretended to call her sister. Yeah, that's that one is really fascinating. I want to hear more about that one. Lots to unpack there. And that last one, you're, is, that last one is just really impressive that she's just like, hello, uh, can I shoot him? Because <laughs> he's coming in my house. Right? And the officer's like, no, but yes, go ahead. No, yes. Right? I'm excited to see what's next. All right. internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. 
mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of spine-chilling 911 calls. Starting off the second half of our list is the capture of murderer Sean Great in Ashland, Ohio. It was a roughly 20-minute 911 call with a frightened, whispering victim that led police to the abandoned house where she was being held. The discovery of three bodies and the arrest of Sean Great. She was whispering because the entire call was made while she was next to the sleeping killer. Oh, my Lanta. This is, you would see this in a movie and be like, that's too, too much. much. Yep. <laughs> that's too much. Oh, I, the fear that must have yeah. been within her, like, sl- oh. oh, just you wait, just you wait. So the call begins, 911, what's the address of your emergency? Quietly, you hear right across from the 4th Street laundromat. Oh my goodness, I can't. The woman is so quiet, but she says she's been abducted. The dispatcher tries to clarify her location by asking, but you're at the laundromat? The victim replies, no, I'm in the bedroom with him. Uh, I hate it. Great is asleep next to her. No, no, no. She was tied up, but managed to free herself, afraid that if she wakes him, it's going to be really bad. I can only imagine. I mean, he tied her up. So she whispers, I'm afraid he might hear me and catch me, and he's strong. Ooh. His bedroom is closed, and he made it so it would make noise. Ooh. Oh my god, I need to know like what he did. So finally, police locate her. Amazing. They get her out of the house before arresting Great. Wow. Great was homeless. He had staked out the abandoned house close to where he put the bodies of his other victims. He was charged with a count of kidnapping and two murder counts. That girl. Wow. It makes me think of like in Scream 2, is it? When they're trying to crawl over the uh Oh yeah, the, when they're like, trying to the crawl over Ghostface. That is like knocked out. Yup. Yes, and every oh, oh it freaks me out so much. It's really creepy. I hate oh, it. I'm so glad she got out of there. Me too, and I'm so glad he's in jail. Bye. Bye. 
four. Landing at number four this week is David Pomfret reporting his wife's death, but with a twist. Ooh. David and his wife, Anne-Marie, lived in the England suburb of Cheshire, where they owned a small stable of horses. In November 2018, David called 999, the British equivalent to 911, to say he'd found his wife's body at the stables. Oh no. Super weird. Throughout the 911 call, David stammers and stumbles with words, first saying, quote, She's laying on the floor in a puddle of blood. It looks like she has her head beaten in. He seems like out of breath and confused when asked how old his wife is, like very basic information, saying, uh, she's, uh, she's 50 this month. She turns the 27th of November. She's 50. Then he like gets excited as if he's discovered the answer. So she's 49, 49. She's 49. Oh, math. Okay, like, cool. I just asked you a simple question, Well sir. done. Right? The call is bizarre, but when you think about what he's experiencing, you sort of let it go a little. Yeah. Until you know the truth, and then it's disturbing. Because originally you could say, like, you know... Yeah, it's a stressful situation. You're seeing you might your be wife like, with her head bashed in. Right. You might forget, like, what is actually real and what is fake. Right, definitely. You might be like, oh, okay, what's happening right now? I don't know how old she is because I can't think. But he did. David had actually killed his wife by beating her to death with a crowbar after an argument. Oh, that's much worse. Yep, a lot yeah. bad. A lot bad, I just yes, said. Yes, a lot bad. He then went home, sent her text messages pretending to see where she was, and then, quote, found her body at the stables before calling 999. Jeez. On the call, he even makes up a timeline and reason why, allegedly, she went to the stables alone. You can hear it in his voice, though, that he's making it up as he goes. Like, quote, yeah, we've been shopping. Had some tea? She'd forgotten something. Too many details. It's like, yeah, like, okay. He made that, like, classic mistake. Yeah, like, we had some tea. I believe she had uh, uh, two lumps of sugar in it, I think. Yep, and then she stirred it counterclockwise. I remember that. (laughs) Yep. See, I'm not guilty at all. Well, luckily, he later admitted to her murder, and he was sent to prison. Bye. See ya. Never. Three. Number three on our countdown of spine-chilling 911 calls is the Deadly Allen Family Massacre. April 2012, in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, husband and wife Kate and Kevin Allen got together at a local restaurant with their two kids for one of the kids' birthdays. Kate tells Kevin their marriage is officially over, and then she makes the first of two 911 calls in this crime. Okay, like maybe I shouldn't say this, but probably not the best time to tell your husband it's over. It's a strange, it's a strange time. Yeah. I will say that. It's definitely strange. So fairly level-headed and maybe a little annoyed, Kate tells the dispatcher, I need an officer. I'm having some spouse problems and my husband is circling the restaurant that we're at. So already it's like, okay. What does that even mean? All right. Kevin is in his car driving around the parking lot and she's afraid to leave with the kids. She chillingly tells the operator, I know I saw some shotgun shells. He had a shotgun, but he told me he got rid of it. Oh no. The second call to 911 is from a scared, petrified, crying server at the restaurant named Rebecca, who's hiding under the counter. 
She tells the dispatcher he's trying to shoot his family. As soon as you said that she was hiding under the counter, I was like, what is going on? As Rebecca is audibly trembling, you hear about eight gunshots. Oh my. Even though police arrived after the first call, Kevin Allen made his way back into the restaurant with that shotgun. He killed his wife and daughters. Police killed him in the confrontation on his way out. That is heartbreaking. Family annihilators are a whole different breed. It's the psychology behind it is just nuts. Oh, it goes on and on. Wow. Ooh, that last one. Yeah, that made me really sad, that last one. I hate that. And to that poor Rebecca. I know. As soon, I, like I said, as soon as you said hiding under the counter, I was yeah. like, oh, where are we going from here? You just went here? to work that day. Right. That's all. Those always freak me out. Okay, so I will say what my favorite one was, was the girl that called 911 and was like, can I kill this guy? Yeah, that's definitely my favorite one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Everything else has been really rough to get through. Yes. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of spine-chilling 911 calls. At number two is the real estate office murder in Mountain Lakes, New Jersey. In 2011, real estate agent Leonardo Pereira shot and killed his office receptionist. He then got in his car in the parking lot and made the most calm, smug, and threatening 911 call, saying, quote, I just killed someone and later adding with pride, you know what, I'm armed, I'm dangerous, send the cops out. Ew. It's like, what? No. No. Before the murder, there was another coworker in the office who left prior. She said Pereira wasn't himself and looked pale and nervous. So it's like, was he planning on this whole thing? Sounds like it. Yeah. He was described as normally affable and friendly. Later on the 911 call, he still has this matter-of-fact yet taunting tone saying things like, I will shoot anyone who approaches the car. Ew. Yeah. And then, as if he's doing business, he tells the dispatcher, you know what? I need to make some calls and let people know that, you know, I'm going to be dead now. What? Adding, we're not going to de-escalate this. I'm looking to escalate. Does he think he's, like, in a movie? Like, an action movie right now? It's like we said earlier, like, if you saw it in a movie, it would be too much. Like, I feel like we always say that. A very poorly written movie is what this is. Yeah, for real. But unfortunately, it was reality. And unfortunately, he did escalate. Oh. Herrera was killed in a shootout with police in that parking lot. The police don't have an official motive, but it appears he secretly had financial issues, failed businesses, an ailing mother, and even lied about being married. So he was just, like, spiraling. Oh, yeah, that was a lot. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 spine chilling 911 calls Ariel Castro kidnapping victim Amanda Berry. This one gives you all kinds of chills. This 911 call was the moment that brought the harrowing Ariel Castro case to an end and gave the three women he had kidnapped so many years before their freedom. Victim Amanda Berry calls 911 and says, I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm here. I'm free now. Every single time I get like this like, 
wave of chill. Yes, it's like my body turns into one goosebump. It's like when your body goes warm. <laughs> yes, it like just vibrates. Yes. Oh, I can't. This whole case. Ooh, gnarly. So her kidnapper was the infamous Ariel Castro, a man who held Amanda and two other women hostage for 10 years in his Cleveland, Ohio home. When you say 10, 10 years. years, a decade. I was 14 10 years ago. A decade. Nuts. I was 25. <clears throat> so Amanda Berry disappeared just before her 17th birthday. Her mom received a call from a man using her phone saying that Amanda would be returned in a few days. This, of course, was a lie. Oh, and imagine getting these, that call. Yeah. These, I mean, these poor women, but also their poor families yes. went through hell. One day, Castro forgot to lock the internal door. Ha ha ha, Allowing sucker. Amanda to leave the more contained inner space and at least scream for help, alerting neighbors. The 911 dispatcher who took her call was reprimanded for lack of empathy and for hanging up on her before the police arrived, actually. Good. Yeah. One other chilling part that showed the desperation was this. Dispatcher. Okay, stay there with those neighbors. Talk with police when they get there. Amanda is crying. Okay, hello? Dispatcher. When they get there. Amanda. Okay, are they on their way right now? Dispatcher. Okay, as soon as we get a car open. Amanda. No, I need them now before he gets back. I lo this guy's just like, yeah, like when we get to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Don't worry. It's like, I've been kidnapped for 10 years. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a little bit urgent. The, this know, matter is a I, little urgent. I've been patient for 10 years. And now I'm no longer. I like what I want now. Right? Now, now, now. Luckily, Castro was sentenced to life plus a thousand years, but he killed himself a month into his sentence. That is my most Ugh, part of this case. I'm like, no, you should have lived a thousand years in prison. Yes, he should have lived thousands and thousands of years. Oh yeah, that's number one. Oh, no <laughs> doubt say. about that. Ooh, and honestly, kudos to the podcast research gods for doing the research to find these 911 calls because these are tough. Yeah, and having to listen to them. Yeah, they're tough. Like I said in the beginning, I don't like to listen to them. No, they're they're really scary. And that's so. probably why I can't think of any that were left off. I was going to say, I'm sure there's like, because there's so many yeah, out there. We'll probably do another one. But honestly, you, I was going to say this could be like a series of them. I think this list was perfect for what it was. Me too. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which I hope you do, hello, you made it here. You can follow our other podcast, Morbid. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or follow us on Twitter at AmorbidPodcast or on Instagram at MorbidPodcast. And we'll be back next Monday. And in the meantime, we hope that you keep it weird, but not weird enough to where you have to call 911. Stay safe. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by Ambika Chotera, J.K. Hio, and Mickey Taylor. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. 
We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. 